My guest is on the phone. Let's go over and see what he has to say on these issues. He is Dr. James Gordon. Dr. Gordon is the founder of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington and clinical professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. And during his distinguished career as a pioneer in alternative medicine, he has served as the chairman of the White House Commission on Complementary and Alternative Medicine. And we're here today to talk about the level of depression, of suicide, in people who have now seen themselves as victims and have given up. Iraq vets, Katrina victims, and now a whole new group added to it, those who will begin to lose their homes. Just like in the 1980s, when American farmers lost their farms. And you know, part of that was I didn't see a single national protest where in unison, people stopped for a day in solidarity and went to Washington and said, stop foreclosure on farms. These are good people. These are decent human beings. The banking system should not take their farm, take their livelihood. And yet, we didn't have a single one of those. And the legislators didn't do a single thing. And the banks didn't do a thing. The White House didn't do a thing. And as a result, we had 3.7 million farms. Today, we have 600,000. And a lot of those people committed suicide. Where is our compassion when we need it? I think we should stop being politically correct and be honest about how selfish the human condition can be. Nice to have you with us today, sir. Well, it's, it's good to be with you, Gary, and it's good to hear what you're saying. I think it's something that, that all of us need to think about more and think about in that kind of, you know, if it's possible, compassionate and relaxed way that you're presenting it. Let us, let us start, if you would, please, with... The individuals in Katrina, they've waited for the government. That's not working. They've waited for a renaissance, something that can be a phoenix and rise this crisis to a new level of consciousness. Unfortunately, with little episodic episodes, including, by the way, Habitat for Humanity, and I really commend Jimmy Carter and that group for doing what they did down there, but there's still 81% of all the people who are victims of Katrina are still victims, and that's causing an enormous amount of emotional stress. Tell us what we can do to understand the mindset they're in, what we can do to inspire them, to help them in their hour of need. Sure. Let, let, let me tell you I mean, I, what, a little bit about what, what we're doing, because I think it's an example and may sort of will touch on the points that you're making. For, first of all, I think the, the crucial thing that we need to do is to pay attention. Um, people in New Orleans and the area around there feel not only are they suffering, as you say, 80 percent of people are still seriously affected in material ways with the houses that are still unrepaired or living in trailers or living with many, many family members or um, having not having their full employment. So there, there are major effects of the people in New Orleans these physical and economic effects are having very profound psychological ramifications so that the levels of anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and as you suggested, suicide are way up and uh, in, in some instances just as high as I've seen when I've been working in post-war situations. But I think that another part that's not recognized is the sense of isolation and abandonment and that 
all of these things that look in the newspaper like these are bureaucratic problems or it's local inefficiency or state inefficiency or federal inefficiency, what this translates into in human terms is hundreds of thousands of people who are feeling abandoned, uh, who are feeling the situation is beyond their power to rectify, and who are having uh, the symptoms of people who have been through, as they have, a catastrophe. That is a kind of disorganization. They joke about it sometimes down there. They say, I've got Katrina head. And Katrina head sort of means, well, if we have an appointment for lunch or we're going to do something together, I just may not get it together to do it, not because I don't want to be there or not because I don't think it's important, just because I'm kind of disorganized. And there's also a tremendous amount of sorrow um, that's present. If you talk with people uh, in New Orleans, and I'll, I'll come back to the professionals that we're training, but just talk with ordinary people. You go into a restaurant, you talk with a waitress for 10 minutes, or a waiter for 10 minutes, and, and they're likely to be crying still, because they feel the interest, they feel the compassion, and they begin to talk about all the things that are continue to devastate them. Everything from uh, complicated things, which perhaps shouldn't be so complicated, like getting permits to destroy a house that can't be rebuilt, to supposedly simple things like getting a driver's license take days or weeks to accomplish. So what's needed um, by people there, if you talk with them, is first of all to be, to be paid attention to on a, on a human level, on an interpersonal level, and also on a collective and a national level. They feel abandoned, they feel forgotten. And when we talk with them, and what we're doing uh, at the Center for Mind-Body Medicine is working with many local groups, the New Orleans Health Department, the medical schools at Tulane and LSU, many local uh, nonprofit organizations, churches and other groups, to train to use our work of mind-body medicine, of meditation and guided imagery and self-expression and words and drawings and movement and small group support to train leaders in health and mental health to deal with their own stress and trauma and then to work with the rest of the population. And the response has been overwhelmingly positive. People recognize that they need, first of all, that they need help from outside. You don't always see that. Sometimes people say, no, we can do it ourselves. But the, the level and the extent of what happened there is so great that they recognize clearly and accurately and humbly we, we cannot do it ourselves. We need help from outside. And the second piece I think that's really important when, uh, as we do our work and as other people think about being helpful is you want to help people to become stronger, to do it on their own. It's not a matter, sure, in an emergency you come in, you feed people, you put up temporary shelters, but, but over time what's crucial is to help people develop the skills and the ability they need to help themselves and to help each other out. And so that's what we're doing. So everything that we do there is sustainable and will create a kind of um, public health system of, of primary mental health care. I, I don't mean mental health care where you diagnose somebody and you prescribe drugs for them. I mean mental health care that helps people to be well and strong and admit their pain and be able to use their strength. And that's what we're working on with our local partners there. And at every level, that's what's needed in New Orleans. That is people from the outside coming together to help people 
in New Orleans, in southern Louisiana, and southern Mississippi for that matter, to begin to recover their capacity to, to help themselves and to hope that there's a future which will be a fruitful and productive and hopeful one for them. That's a really good idea. I have something I'd like to add to that. Um, I, I look at problems first from the micro, then up to the macro level, and I believe that we should, over the next 10 years, have, in every state, all 50 states, a, a type of village that is constructed using federal money with state support, but no private contractors, get local community people we have all the skills to do this and give them the employment where you actually have a crisis village. Now, the crisis village would be able to hold generally up to 10,000 people with a quality of life. There'd be some schools, there'd be counselors, there'd be well, uh, health and mental uh, counselors of all types. Uh, there'd be uh, capacity for sustainability, but at least when there is a crisis, and there are going to be only more crises as we can clearly see, then instead of saying, where do these people go? We'll put them in hotels, and then, of course, the hotels charge them some outrageous amount of money per day that the taxpayers pay, and then they, there's no counseling, there's no food, they have to go and buy food, then everybody exploits them. Or they're given vouchers, and we saw that the people frequently misspend the vouchers, there's no way they can rebuild a life that way. But if you give them an environment that's in every state, then they have a place to go. They have food. They have shelter. They have a quality of life. And they have counseling. They have even a capacity to have their kids still in a kind of a, uh, a schooling program. So the life doesn't stop. And it's not stopped and waiting for something to happen. I believe that we would inspire people then to actually uh, come back stronger and then if we also gave them an opportunity to learn the lessons of the crisis. And I think one of the problems a lot of people have with Katrina is that many people felt that it couldn't happen. The dikes would hold it back. And there was no educational program to say, look, New Orleans is six feet below sea level. There are no barrier islands. A Category 4 hitting it is going to destroy it. A Category 5 absolutely decimated. By the way, it wasn't hit by Category 5. It veered and hit, actually was water was at Category 4. And they've repaired it. $40 billion they have spent, the Corps of Engineers. And as of last week, they say they can diminish flooding by 5.6 inches. Inches, mm -hmm. not feet. Now, this is almost mind-numbing. But it's the kind of nonsense that happens when you give a bureaucracy the opportunity to fix a problem that it itself is ill-prepared to fix. So then people either are caught in a catch-22 where the bureaucracy doesn't help them, but then also the local topography hasn't changed. So even if they rebuild, right now anyone rebuilding in any of the wards, and I've been in all the wards there, all right? I've been there. I've been on foot there. I know what I'm talking about. The first time there's a Category 4, it's all over again. Yep. And how many times are we going to see this? How many times have you seen people say, oh, well, you know, we just got out with five minutes to go, our house burned down, but we're going to rebuild? And I'm asking, why? Why there? What, what are we trying to prove? And I believe that we need to educate people upon where are places to live that are less likely to have this kind of thing happen. How can we both emotionally, mentally, uh, 
prepare ourselves for crisis and then have crisis counselors all over the United States, which we don't have now. We, yeah, I, we don't I, have I, it. You know, that, that, that's certainly true. I, th- I think, you know, there, there are a lot of issues in the, the kind of principles that you're talking about, I think, need to be part of all of health and mental health. The guy, uh, Kevin Stevens, who's the head of public health in New Orleans, immediately understood our program and embraced it publicly as well as privately. And he said, we need a holistic approach to mental health. We need an approach that focuses on self-care as central and teaches people, first teaches the professionals and then teaches the people they're working with how to help and take care of themselves and understand themselves. That consciousness on the level of sort of health and mental health, that fundamental shift has to happen. That's that's by far more important than any specific therapeutic intervention, whether it's mind-body or nutritional or acupuncture or surgery or anything else. That's got to change. And if that Absolutely. changes, that what the ramifications, one of the things that we've seen that's very interesting, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen this too, is as people begin to get some kind of control and begin to take charge of their own lives and become aware of the realities of their own lives and then take charge, that also provides a kind of example and a platform from which to do, make other kinds of changes, take other kinds of control. Oh, absolutely. Let me give. Let me ask you one question on top of this, please. I believe that we are doing a gross disservice to the men and women who are honoring our country by serving in the military, by conditioning them how to operate in a combat zone, but not decommissioning and getting that mind in a place where they can deal with the trauma they have faced. Nobody, I don't care how tough you are, can be in a fire zone, see people killed, maimed, injured, both military and civilians, and not have some trauma from that. And yet when these people come home, there's zero that we put them into a situation to help them uh, deal with the traumas. And as a result, we have suicides. We have all forms of post-traumatic conditions. Don't we owe it to our, uh, our the families and the people serving our country to help them to get a different mindset and to get some the holistic mental health care counseling you're talking about when they return from conflict? You're absolutely right. And to, to, it's not seen, and you said it very well, because you said this is, this is natural, this is expectable. And I think that, that anybody who has worked with soldiers who've you know, been fighting for any length of time, knows that this is the case, or has been a soldier, especially doing this, you know that this happens to you, and if you talk with your buddies, you know it's happening to them as well. So right, right now the situation is, well, if you, if you feel you have these symptoms, then you can go see the shrink, and then you can be diagnosed, which is not good for your Army career or your Navy or Air Force career, not good at all, and then you can get treated, and often the treatment is a drug treatment or a behavioral, cognitive behavioral treatment, which is trying to revise your way of looking at the world. And, and all those, they may have some place, but, but there's a much, what you're touching on is much more fundamental. That is, everyone is traumatized, and everyone needs a process by which they can recover and, and come back into their, first of all, admit to themselves which, again, they're often discouraged from doing because it's not manly or it's not soldierly, admit to themselves what's happened, and then begin to you know, mourn what has happened to them, what's happened to people they care about, to mourn what they've had to do to other people in fighting and to let go of it, and at the same time to begin to build 
a kind of new self which integrates these terrible traumas and, and is, then is ready to move on. Without that kind of process, what we're seeing already is uh, huge escalation, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. One of the authoritative papers that came out about a year ago said 17% um, are showing this after three months. Well, I, I think after six months and nine months and a year, those numbers are going to be going way, way up. And so what we're going to be seeing is a, you know, a whole cohort of several hundred thousand people who have been deeply traumatized who bring those traumas back here, who do their best to cope, but wind up taking out what they haven't dealt with, if you understand what I'm saying, mm -hmm. on other people. If you're angry inside and fearful inside and agitated and you're not willing to look at it, you're likely to take it out on people you love, on your spouses, on your children, on uh, in the job situation. So we need to have a real kind of public health, no stigma involved, uh, universally available kind of mental health care for everybody coming back for that conversion from war. To, you know, we, we convert economies from wartime to peacetime, hopefully. Why don't we convert the people who are fighting from war to peacetime? Good idea. Dr. Gordon, could you give us your email address, please? Sure. It's, uh, the, first, the, the um, website for the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, where we talk about our programs with New Orleans, with the military, with Israelis and Palestinians, and our work with ordinary people who are stressed out, is www.cmbm.org www.cmcharliemarybettymary.org. My email is jgordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, at cmbm.org. I really appreciate the work you're all doing. It's making a difference. It's, savings it's saving lives. And keep up all the great work you're, you're at now. Thanks. I'm Gary Knoll. My guest, professor, clinical professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine and... Uh, also the founder of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine.